Good morning. Greetings in Jesus' name to each one this morning. A little bit ago, you sang, not in this last song, but the one before, Welcome, Poverty and Cross. Welcome, Poverty and Cross. Uh, Following Christ, uh, that's a good thing, isn't it? Uh, it uh, normally leads you to uh, fulfilled and a good life. Poverty and cross? <laughs> Caught my attention. Did I really mean it? I sang that? <clears throat> and... Uh, through the years, uh, often, that's, that was uh, what the church meant. That was what following the Lord meant. Poverty and cross. Uh, we kind of forget that. Well, <clears throat> this morning, uh, if, uh, if, if, uh, let me address this question to John here. Uh, John, if you were preaching on assurance of salvation, where would you go? Well, probably first John. <laughs> uh, I plan to preach on assurance of salvation. Uh, now, John's been preaching from first John, okay? And uh, I'm not John, and, and I'm not going to preach what the way he preaches. I can't... Uh, Preach like John preaches, okay? I preach like Ben preaches, and you'll just have to put up with that. <clears throat> but uh, I'm going to be using First John quite a bit. <laughs> Many years ago, I uh, met a young man in Broadway. I knew him somewhat, uh, not real well, but... Uh, and... Uh, Somehow we were talking, uh, got to talking spiritual things, and, and he said this, I know that I know that I know that I am saved. Now, uh, it, that uh, sort of an interesting statement, and uh, uh, is that a good statement? Uh, Is it, uh, is it good or bad? I uh, got to thinking about, uh, as I thought about this subject, uh, the reason I'm, I am uh, on this subject is because uh, a young man recently I heard say that he hadn't heard a message on assurance of salvation, and, and so I prepared one and preached it uh, at Bethesda, and so uh, I'm using it again here. But thinking of uh, the uh, church in the past, for instance, uh, going back to the Reformation and, and our Anabaptist forefathers, and uh, they, uh, when they th threw their hats into the ring, uh, that's figurative language now, when they made their decision to follow Christ, uh, 
they were laying their life on the line, okay? It, it, was, uh, it was pretty decisive for them. And uh, I wondered uh, about their, uh, what their teaching about assurance of salvation was, and I, I sort of doubt whether they even thought about that. I, uh, my guess is that uh, when they made that decision, it was made, and, and they knew why and how and where and so on. Uh, they didn't worry about uh, assurance of salvation. They knew what they were uh, facing. And when they made that decision, it was, uh, it was momentous. Then, uh, over the years, I, I grew up uh, for the first 10 years of my life in the uh, Old Order Mennonite Church, Horse and Buggy Church, and, and, and they, didn't, uh, they didn't preach that at all. That was not a part of their doctrine. Uh, the new birth was... Uh, not taught much, but uh, my understanding of old order teaching and preaching is that it has evolved some in the last 60 or 70 years. And uh, so they, uh, they quite likely might uh, preach some of uh, new birth and uh, maybe even assurance of salvation. Uh, maybe not, uh, but... Uh, I do know that their preaching has become a lot different than it was back then. They have, uh, they have evolved over the years. <clears throat> well, uh, to know whether we are saved, is that, that's good. The young man in Broadway, I think, was, was on target. To know we are saved is good. To believe we're saved, though, if we're living in sin, is not so good. And, and uh, that's uh, sort of the basis of this message this morning. Uh, what I want to do is uh, give you some tests out of the book of 1 John that, uh, that you can use to decide whether uh, you're on the right track or not to know whether you're where you ought to be or not in your Christian experience. Test number one. <clears throat> and this is a simple one. Do, do we believe that Jesus Christ was God in the flesh? Do we believe that? In verse 5 of chapter 1, John wrote this. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. God is light. He is perfect. He is holy. He is sinless. And in uh, chapter 4 and verse 15, we read this. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. Now, uh, 
it, it's not too hard to say, yeah, I believe. I know that I know that I know. Uh, that, uh, we can say that, okay? What does confessing Jesus Christ mean? And, and uh, are we, how are we doing at confessing that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh? Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of is the Son of God, and God dwelleth in him, and he in God. Whosoever shall confess. Are we confessing that Jesus is the Son of God, and that God dwells in him, and he in God? Uh, that, uh, that gets to uh, the Great Commission, for one thing. Uh, are we, are we confessing to our unsaved neighbors that, uh, that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh and that he is the Son of God, God in the flesh? Years ago, one of our uh, county agents was at our place for some reason, and uh, a Jehovah's Witness came in at the same time, <laughs> And the Jehovah's Witness people don't confess that Jesus is God. They, that's anathema to them. And so in the course of the conversation with this Jehovah's Witness, and I didn't mind conversing, don't mind conversing with, with them, but I, I said something about the church and they uh, they are taught, okay? <laughs> they know how to respond to people. And so this man uh, said, what church? Which church? And uh, God, the Holy Spirit gave me the right answer for that question. I didn't have it, but the Holy Spirit did. And so I said, uh, why the church that Jesus saved with his blood? And it took the wind out of his sails. He didn't have a word to say. He didn't know what to say. Uh, he was expecting to hear Mennonite or something like that. And uh, the, Jesus had an answer for the man, okay? Uh, he, he does have an answer for all the questions. Jesus was and is God. In uh, chapter 4 again and verse 8. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. God is a, is a God of love. In verse 16, he says, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. And then in verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. Jesus was and is God. God is love. He's not only love, he's justice and mercy and, and uh, all those things at the same time. But, but uh, 1 John is full of God is love. And, and Jesus is God in the flesh. So uh, test number one is, uh, 
Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. Is, do, do you believe and confess that Jesus is come in the flesh? Do your neighbors know that? Do your brethren in the church hear you say that? Test number two. And uh, we're back to the love part of it again. Do we love everybody? Now, uh, we discussed uh, love somewhat in our Sunday school class this morning and, and God's love. But uh, do, we, do we really love everybody? Uh, when I was a boy, one of my brothers, uh, we, we were in the Old Order Church at the time, and uh, one of my brothers, 11 years older than I, was working in construction, and he would ride his bicycle to the local town every day, and he bought a new bike, a Schwinn, a new Schwinn bike. Oh, it was a jewel. It, it had a knee-action front end. It, it was beautiful. Uh, had springs, and uh, it, it didn't give you every jolt in the road and so on. And he'd park it uh, in Wakarusa, and he'd uh, ride with his uh, construction crew to work, and somebody stole the bike. And uh, sometime later, the bike was found, and it had been painted uh, to disguise it a little bit. But uh, there was a young man uh, that lived several miles from us, grew up in a uh, Dunker, German Baptist, old brethren type setting. His father was a minister, and, and this uh, young man had gotten into some bad company, and he was going down the wrong road, and, and uh, he had uh, stolen the bike along with uh, another boy. And uh, so now leaving the bike and, and thinking about this young man, uh, I don't know how old he was. He's, he's probably five years older than I or six. And uh, I knew him uh, every now and then. I'd meet him during the years. And one of my sisters lived right close to where he lived. And this uh, young man uh, did some pretty ugly things. Uh, had a, my sister had a neighbor, an old, older lady living by herself, I think a widow lady. And uh, the young man would uh, take her calves to the stock sale. Maybe he would buy them from her and... Uh, and he always made a good profit on them, okay? He, he didn't mind taking advantage of the old lady. It, it, that was the kind of man he was. It, he, he was... Uh, can you imagine? Uh, a young man growing up in a conservative home like that. Uh, good teaching. I knew his father. Uh, uh, father was a, a friendly, good man. And 
and a young man that would steal and take advantage of uh, older people that couldn't take it care of themselves. Uh, would would you all like to have that man for a uh, brother in the church here? Well, did, did Jesus die for that man? He certainly did. Uh, could we love that man in, in his fallen state, the way he lived? Could we? Uh, I, I tried to paint you a picture of a bad person. Okay, I, I could talk of uh, a lot of them. There's a lot of them around us. And, and God loves every one of them. Jesus died for every one of them. Uh, been a year or two ago now, might have been two years ago, uh, I was at uh, one of my family's funerals in Indiana. And uh, that same young man came walking into the church there. And I was standing in the back. I was supposed to have a part of the service, and I was standing in the back with the, the other ministers that had part in the service. I saw this young man, this, no, young man, this old man <laughs> coming in, and <clears throat> you know what I did? Uh, I walked over to him and shook his hand. <laughs> I love that man. Uh, he turned his life around. The Lord got a hold of him and turned his life around. That man wouldn't steal a bicycle. He wouldn't take advantage of an old widow. He is a man that's following the Lord. He's a man that I'd love to uh, have as a member here. Now, he's a member of uh, uh, the old Brethren Church out there. He dresses uh, plain like they do. But, but he's a man that, that I think if we get to heaven, we'll meet him there. And, and we don't know. Uh, we have no way of knowing. God knows. He knows who's going to respond to our uh, love when we love our neighbors, okay? And when we relate to them the way we ought to. But we don't have a choice. God expects us to love and, and to get the word out about God's love for them. So the, uh, the second test is, do we love everybody? By that I mean, do we want them to be our brothers and sisters in the Lord if they're not? That... Uh, that gets close home when somebody does something mean. And uh, some time ago, <clears throat> uh, a man, an older man, called me on the phone, and uh, he said, uh, uh, "My grandson's out in California, and uh, he's." Uh, He's in trouble with the law, and, and he needs a bond, something like that. And, and the bond is something like 
$1,500 or $2,000. It was a fairly large sum. And, and uh, uh, wondered if there was any way we could help this boy. And so uh, I listened to his story and it didn't sound, uh, wasn't, uh, was a good story in a way. Uh, but anyway, I, uh, I told him, Art, Art is a deacon at Bethesda, and so I told him, call Art. And uh, so the, the man called Art. And the first thing Art told him was, it's a scam. Somebody's going to try to get your money. And that's exactly what it was. Somebody was trying to take him for a ride. Uh, would uh, somebody like that that takes advantage of old people, would, would you like to have them to be members here at Bethesda? Uh, Bethesda at uh, Mabel? <laughs> would we? <clears throat> Do we love everybody? That, that's test number two. Test number one is, do we believe and confess that Jesus is come in the flesh? Test number two is, do we love everybody? Would we like to have them coming, becoming a part of God's people? Test number three, do we fear the day of judgment? In the fourth chapter again, verse uh, 16 through 19, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. In the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. In the, the second chapter, in verse 28, it says this, and now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence. When he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. And then going right on down to chapter 3 and the first three verses there. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Does, uh, does the thought of uh, being a judgment scare you?
abide in him. Now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence. Do you have confidence that, uh, that your sin is taken care of? And if, uh, if that sin is taken care of, you can have confidence. Perfect love casts out fear. There is no fear in love. If, uh, if Jesus Christ has taken care of uh, that sin problem, and uh, we all have it. We all had it. Every one of us. Now, uh, Paul, in his writing to Timothy, I think it was, talked of uh, some men's sins going before to judgment and others following after. And if, uh, if our sins have gone before, no problem, uh, we're, we're, we're free. No fear. Does the day of judgment scare us? A number of, uh, number of different scriptures tell us that we'll be there. Now, uh, uh, we, we may not face those sins because God takes them away. Jesus Christ came to uh, take away the sin of the world. John wrote in the book of, book of John in the first chapter, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. So uh, our sins can be taken away. Uh, I was teaching a Sunday school class years ago. And uh, uh, I asked a question to the effect of, uh, and I expected... Uh, didn't expect any hands to go up whether there was anybody here who hadn't sinned in the past week or something to that effect. This one man's hand went up. And I didn't try to refute the man. I knew him. <laughs> he was Brother Mark's dad. And if you knew him, you wouldn't have tried to refute him either. Most of us, uh, if we examine our lives within the past week, chances are we might uh, find some flaws there. But, but God has made provision for us to take care of that. <clears throat> and, and so we can live without fear. Without a without a shadow of doubt. Test number three is, do we fear judgment? If we don't, we can have confidence. <laughs> we can know that we know that we know. Test number four,
Do we love his commandments? Back in chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. And hereby we do know that we know him. We do know that we know if we keep his commandments. I've, uh, I've talked quite a bit about uh, Calvinism <laughs> in messages. Uh, probably mentioned it here, but uh, let me talk a little more about that. Uh, Augustine uh, taught and Calvin refined uh, and uh, the doctrine is that uh, that God is sovereign and and he controls every atom and every molecule uh, he's in control now uh, there's no doubt about it. God is the creator, and, and he can control every atom and every molecule. He can do that. And, and if he wants to, he does do that. But God has delegated responsibility to us. He gives us the choice of what we're going to do with him. He, uh, somebody said in our Sunday school class this morning, God doesn't want robots. He wants uh, people that uh, choose. And, and that's the truth. Uh, there are a number of real good uh, scriptures for that. Uh, I like Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. I quote that, uh, not verse 18, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, if, if you follow the, uh, the Calvinistic, the Augustine doctrine, that uh, God controls every molecule, if you follow that all the way to the... To the uh, to the end or to the beginning, maybe, uh, you come to the point where uh, God decides long before, before creation, God decided who would be saved and who would be lost. Now, uh, Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount that uh, there's a broad way and a narrow way, and he said there'd be a lot of people going down that broad way and a few on the narrow way. Now, I don't know what percentage that is, but uh, there's what, between 7 and 8 billion people in the world now? Uh, suppose there's 7.5 billion people in the world, and suppose that uh, uh, 500 million of those are uh, uh, dedicated Christians. They believe God. They are ready to meet God. That leaves how many on the other road? Seven billion? These are round figures, okay? I, I, we don't know. But, and, and this God of love and mercy decided before creation that these people wouldn't have a chance, that they had no choice, 
That they were going to be lost? That they were going to be cast into an eternal hell, eternal punishment? And that's a God of love and mercy? Don't come to me with that one. I don't believe that. And, and then uh, there's other things that follow right along with that and we won't get into that. But, but test number four is, do we love His commandments? And, and uh, maybe I should have went a little further on that one because uh, when you follow that doctrine, and it says that uh, once you're saved, you can never be lost. And it, it takes a, a low view of uh, salvation and uh, what sin does. I think the last time that I preached here, I talked about the horse that we had and the... <laughs> the man who uh, said he cribs a little when we sold him. And uh, the fact is that if a horse cribs a little, he's a cribber. And my, uh, my message to you this morning is that if a man sins or a woman sins a little, they're sinners. If we believe that, uh, that God tolerates sin, that God doesn't mind a little bit of sin in a person's life, that person is a sinner. Test number four is, do we love God's commandments? Are we going to follow His commandments? Sixth chapter of the first verse, uh, the sixth verse of the first chapter says this, If we say we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Let's leave that one. Chapter 3, verse 6. Test number 5. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. I'm back to uh, sinning a little. Verse 9 says, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Now, uh, a lot of people have had problems with that. Uh, I, I haven't arrived at uh, the standard that God set for me. You know that. You know what God's standard is. The last verse of the fifth chapter of Matthew says, be ye therefore perfect. How perfect? Somebody finish it. As your Father which is in heaven is perfect. As perfect as the God that created us. I, I haven't arrived there. 
But I don't believe that, uh, I don't believe that uh, God doesn't mind if I sin a little. I don't, I don't think that's the God that I serve. He's a holy God. And he expects me to live a holy life. And, and uh, so how do I reconcile that? What am I going to do? I'm going to live a repentant life. If uh, the, uh, I have this parallel Bible at home. Years ago, I saw John carrying one like it. <laughs> but uh, as uh, King James and the Amplified and the New American Standard and the NIV, uh, in uh, all in uh, different columns, and I, I I like the newer versions. And the uh, Amplified would say of uh, in verse nine, Who, "Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin." They would say does not habitually practice sin. The uh, NIV probably says, does not continue to sin. In other words, uh, if, if somebody uh, sins and he uh, does it again and again, he lives in sin, he hasn't passed the test. John wrote, and I mentioned it earlier in the first chapter of his gospel in verse 29, when he saw Jesus, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, the propitiation for our sin. And so uh, if and when we become aware of something that we know wasn't pleasing to God in our lives, we will confess it to God and clear it again. And that, that uh, comes often for a person like me, okay? Better come often. We cannot continue in sin and have the confidence that we're going to be all right before God. It doesn't work that way. God expects us to live according to His Word. He set the standard high. We're not going to, we're not going to reach it until the day we die, but we can live clear before God by the blood of Jesus Christ if we confess those sins when they become when we become aware of them and we must turn the service back over to John <clears throat>